Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat. I'm really excited because I'm going to be spanning antique quilts to new technology today, all involving makers who use these things in their quilting all the time. We're going to start out in current days with technology being something uh, Tony Smith uses quite extensively for her quilt making and her inspiration and her business. So, Tony, thank you for being here. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. You have the best name. Your company name is Quilt Tony. You got that T going right into your name. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it was whenever I was trying to think of a business name, I actually had a friend of mine look at me and go, come on, Tony, really? Quilt Tony. That's what you do. It's your name. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I know, super powered quilts. That is the best part. It's, you know, you we're going we're gonna to talk for two segments so we get a chance to to really get involved and and find out what your business is about because you are using technology sort of more advanced than uh, most people in the business are using and it's quite exciting but I know you didn't start there you had to start somewhere else Uh, and tell me a little bit about your background. So I actually started um, cross-stitching first I've been cross-stitching since I was a little girl and I found I had all sorts of time on my hands and and I had been designing um, video game and comic book cross-stitches for years. And, and of course, sending gifts out, making things for people. And then I saw a, a pixelated quilt and went, hmm, I bet I could make some video game comic book quilts using my, uh, my cross-stitch background. And so I learned how to quilt just to do exactly what I'm doing now. Oh, that is so funny, you know, because I've not, I didn't cross stitch. So I don't think in like little squares, but that's exactly it. You know, you have like, like a grid, a grid work. Um, yeah, exactly. So, Imagine, you know, your cross stitch without any of the back stitching, unless you want to right. go through and add piping or add <laughs> an embellishments or things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you told me that, and, and we can obviously see this when we learn more about you and people go to your site, but you have a, a deep love of comics and video games. Uh, did, did that start really young for you? Um, it's... I started, it's, um, I actually started making, you know, just making the quilts and things like that for myself. Um, and then I, I sent off a couple for gifts, and the next thing I know, people are like, hey, make this for me, make that for me. And so my design and what I started making kind of mm-hmm. was based around what people were asking for. So it's it's mostly video game and comic books and pop culture and, and things like that, but it's, I'll do, you know, other random things as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not as versed in the sort of the video game uh, stuff as, as well as as we as well as you are, because that's is that your hobby as well to to play games? Yeah, I yeah. Comics? Ever since I was five years old, I've been playing video games. It's something that we've always done as a family. Every new game system that would come out, my mom would run down and, and pick it up. And I remember the uh, when Atari came out, she gra- went would grab the Atari, and that was the very first one. And, and yeah, gaming our entire lives. We actually, um, I used to play World of Warcraft online with my mother, and it's actually oh. how I met my husband. Oh, my goodness. 
you know, there there is such community um, uh, with the games as well as with quilting. Did you do you see that as uh, a relationship? Definitely, it is. The, the video games have they've started out as as pixelated things. Um, so you 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 figure out a pixelated item. It's just something that you can see the squares. And for me, the video games were a natural progression. Whenever I first started selling quilts at um, Comic-Con, I actually took sprites right from the game and turned them into quilts. And as long as I wasn't selling those patterns, I was selling the quilts, it was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a um, background in teaching. Uh, what kind of teacher were you? Oh, I'm sorry. I lost you there for a moment. What kind of... Uh, you taught for a while. Um, what kind, oh, what yes. type of teaching? Uh, math. <laughs> math. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I actually taught um, middle and high school math for a few years before I, I decided to do this full time. Yeah. So, do, did you ever use uh, the gaming or the comics or then like the cross stitch or crafting in your math classes? I actually didn't. It was. Oh. Um, I did lots of other things, but I never really incorporated any of what I do into math. Of course, now with quilting, um, and of course my, my book on how to create your own patterns is, has all the math in there, I look back and I think, man, I should have gotten to quilting earlier. I could have really showcased some of this, you know, some of these equations and everything in my classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of uh, people that are quilt makers that are also teachers now doing, you know, projects and trying to, there was, I'm going to talk to a teacher that's doing barn quilts, you know, like the classes making those. Oh, yeah. Painting them. Um, so do you miss teaching at all? I do. I, I, I think I get my fill by uh, traveling and doing trunk shows and teaching classes as mm-hmm. well as, um, as my Twitch channel online because, I look at it as an opportunity to try to get everyone into quilting. And so mm-hmm. I try to use the platforms as teaching tools. So I get my, my teaching itch out yes. <laughs> by, by doing all those things. Right. It's the same thing. When you're, whether you're doing tutorials or whatever, you're using all that training to break the information down and give it, give it out. Uh, yeah, Exactly. So the the characters, would you describe what pixelated quilts means? Because I think people may not, everybody may not understand, maybe not be able to visualize that. So it's um, the easiest way that I like to describe it is if you take a picture and you zoom in as far as you can zoom in and you can see the individual little colors that make up the, that picture, that's pixelization. So you'll get events sometimes that'll, you know, have you take a a picture and stick it onto a wall. And then all of those pictures will then turn into one larger picture. Mm -hmm. That's a pixelated picture. Yeah. So it's primarily, you're primarily working with squares. Do you work with um, triangles at all? No, it's, I do with my personal quilts or if Mm -hmm. I do a commission for somebody, Mm -hmm. but I, for in my patterns and most of the stuff that I do, just straight blocks. And then it allows me to strip piece and actually do stripping for most of my things. And that allows anyone to make my pattern. So I say if you can sew a straight line, you can make my pattern. Right. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yes. I think we can, everybody can sew a straight right line, right, Tony? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Do. And when people, when I'm at conventions and a cosplayer will look at me and say, man, I want to make that. So go, hey, here's the pattern. And they'll say, well, I can't sew a straight line. And I look at them and I say, that's why you get a quarter inch foot with the guide on there. Right. <laughs> There's always an I, answer. You could do it. Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah, exactly. Or you've got the little things you stick to your side of your machine. There's so many things to make sure that you can sew a straight line. So, you know, I, I want to talk about your, your Twitch uh, show uh, after the break. But before that, describe to me what kind of conventions the – the comic conventions are that you go to because I've not been to one personally. So what happens there? What do you do there? So I describe conventions as geeky conventions. Um, I do um, video game conventions, comic book conventions, and everything in between. Um, For example, one of my favorite conventions is called Gen Con. Um, It is actually the largest tabletop gaming convention in the world. So these are the people that are really into board games, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, games that you'll sit around and you'll play with all of your friends, Um, Mm -hmm. Catan, Risk, things like that, but, you know, really involved games. And they have about 70 to 80,000 people that attend it every year. Um, It's a huge, there's a huge area for shopping where you can actually meet with people like myself. Um, video game manufacturers. There's two huge areas you can actually play games. And the best thing about Gen Con is that they have classes. So you can uh-huh. learn how to play the games, but you can also do other things. I actually teach English paper piecing. I teach okay. a couple, of, and I, I create patterns and kits in geeky motifs, and I only do that for Gen Con, and I teach those classes, and it's a lot of fun. So in in a way, it's a it's similar to going to a quilt show. Exactly, it is. You can take classes. You can go and buy things. You can go and see things. So instead of the the quilt hanging on the rack, you would actually go in and play games. Um, or if it's a comic book show, you would go to panels and actually meet with with actors or actresses or or your favorite people, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like the like the game designers might be there. So they would be like the celebrities. Exactly. And then Gen Con also brings in really famous authors. Um, they bring in some video gaming people. They, it's, it's a really, really great convention. I always tell people, if, you're, if you like anything geeky at all, mm-hmm. or if you just like making things, mm-hmm. you know, learning something new, because they have chain mail. I mean, they have all sorts of things. I mean, there's yeah. books and books on the classes. Gen Con yeah. is definitely the place to go. And where is that one located? Does it move around? That one's in... Yeah, it's in Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. Yeah. I need to go to one of these. These sound like fun. That's like yeah. a lot of energy. When people go to your website, they can see your booth picture because you've got it right on the, the front page of your website so they can get an idea. It's basically like a, like a yeah. quilt show booth. Your yeah, exactly. Booth. It is. Okay. Uh, I call that my monstrosity because it takes me a very long time to build, <laughs> but I, I like it when it's finished. Yeah. Yeah. I missed um, meeting you and seeing it all in action at the last trade show. So uh, I I watched some of it on your on your TV part, you know, your Twitch part. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really neat. You have a lot going on uh, to to make that happen. We have. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. I think we have about 30 seconds. And then what we're going to do, uh, Tony, is we're going to take a break and. 
then I want to talk about your online channel um, and and actually also talk about the type of patterns that you've designed, what is out there. Because you also do commissioned work, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody knew they wanted something, they could come on and contact you and get and you. Would yeah. No, I, I, even though I sell patterns and everything else, I do have people that, um, that contact me because they want a very special, unique kind of quilt in their lives. And so I, okay. I, I feel my time. Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. Six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I'm talking to Tony of Quilt Tony, the super-powered quilts. So, Tony, tell me what are some of the most popular um, patterns that you've designed? So I think the most popular ones that I have are the ones that are based upon pop culture. Um, my absolute most popular pattern is the Happy Painter, which is, of course, inspired by Bob Ross. I, uh, whenever we designed it, we purposely kept the canvas blank because at first we were like, oh my gosh, we can't fit any pixelated things within this canvas. How are we going to do this? And then it dawned on us. We should just leave it blank and people that make it could then use, um, um, crayons, uh, fabric markers, embellishment, embroidery, things like that to make their own little palette. Yeah. It is the best. The hair, everything. It is so cool. Uh, <laughs> do you sell kits to go along with your patterns? I do. It is Kits are something I normally do just at conventions. Um, or, or if I'm brought out to a quilt guild or I teach a class, I do bring all those kits with me. It, I do so much traveling. I don't offer them online, though. But I do encourage uh, stores that carry my patterns to kit things up. Because mm-hmm. the number one thing that people hate that are new to quilting is cutting strips. So if you can cut your strips already for them, then they're yeah. they're ready to get started. Yeah. And you, the, do you teach classes outside of convention classes? I mean, like, like can I do. somebody hire you? So they can hire you and come to their guild and give a talk and give a class? I do. I actually, I live in Canada, but I am a U.S. citizen. So I actually travel over all over North America. Um, I, you know, I travel to quilt guilds, to stores, to all sorts of places, you know, teaching classes. 
And then I also teach here in my hometown of London, Ontario, at the local family centers for free classes, just to get more people involved in sewing. And when you do those, um, like if you're getting somebody new involved to do these, what is a good one to, to start with? The, I, right now, the, good, the best one to start with is Pac-Man. Um, okay. Pac-Man has no borders. Um, it's a very simple, simple one. Oh, Pixel Eater. I'm sorry. Inspired by Pac-Man. Yes. <laughs> um, it's my <laughs> Pixel Eater pattern. So, yeah, no, it's, there's no borders. Um, we have another one that we are re- releasing in December that also will have no borders. That I'll, I'll also say, okay, nope, that one's also a very simple, easy one as well. Yeah. And then tell me about the new book that you came out with. So the biggest – when I was at conventions, um, I started the pattern line because, of course, people would come up to me saying – I. I can sew. I want to make that. Do you have the pattern? And so eventually we did. So the book was born out of once we had the patterns, I would have two different questions. The first question was, hey, can you do a Minecraft one? Mm -hmm. My answer is no, because it's already pixelated. That would be breaking copyright law. The second question I would get would be, can you do a pattern of this obscure character in this obscure thing that only I have ever heard of? Yeah. (laughs) And then, of course, the answer is no, I'm not going to spend 80 hours of my time for a $12 pattern. Right. So the book was born as a, okay, well, let me teach people how I make my patterns. Let mm-hmm. me give them the math of, hey, you have my pattern and you want to make it bigger or smaller. So mm-hmm. in the book, you actually get all of the math to resizing patterns. Um, and you get all of the design techniques and tips and tricks that I use in order to design your own pixelated quilt. And then there's three ways that I include in there of actually making it. Of course, the traditional one, one pixel, one block. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have these, the um, stripping method, so strips all the way across horizontally. And then, of course, I call mine the quiltoni method because mm-hmm. I do not quilt or pattern like anybody else I've ever seen. And it's, mm-hmm. it's born out of efficiency. So I can actually do a single quilt from start to finish, complete start to finish, cutting to binding in a single day. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Fast. That's, that is so cool. That way people can do those um, you know, unique to them. They've only found them by unlocking 80 million things to get there character right that's yeah oh yeah and i actually have started a trunk show in the past couple of months and then a class that pairs with the book where i actually bring in all of the different techniques in order to design and it's interesting watching different people with how they design and what they come up with some people do a very simple smiley face or a snowman i had a lady a few weeks ago that did this really intricate Day of the Dead, cool masterpiece, where I'm looking at it going, you know how big this is going to be? She goes, yep, I did the math already. It's going to be a king size with three-quarter inch squares. Oh, goodness. Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Three-quarter inch squares. Oh, I think I just fainted. She's a lot. Yeah, no, I actually have a few miniature quilts at the market that I'm going to be that have three-quarter inch squares. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's switch gears because I want to find out, you are sort of on the cutting edge, I think, of technology for interfacing with your community online uh, with Twitch. Twitch is a channel much like those of you who are familiar with YouTube and familiar mm-hmm. with Facebook of uh, Facebook Live. 
Twitch is another channel. So tell me how you found this. So it's I of course Twitch started out as a um, as a video game streaming platform. Whenever I tell people about Twitch and they say, "Well, I've never heard of it. What is this?" I say, "Well, have you ever heard of people that play video games for a living? In fact, I believe Ninja was just on the Ellen show a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And people are, you know, normally 88% of the time respond, oh, yeah, I, I've heard of that. Well, that's how they earn money is through Twitch. So it's, it started out as a way for video gamers to reach their audience. So I was bouncing around the ideas because I really wanted a platform where I could you know, show people my patterns and allow people that commission me to watch me make their quilts. So I was thinking about YouTube and other things, and I'm sitting there watching Twitch with my husband. We were watching another streamer we both like. And he turns to me and says, you know they have a creative section on Twitch, right? And I'm like, <laughs> wait, what? There, a, what? So there's a whole side of Twitch where people are making things. Um, you have sewers, you have cosplayers, you have chain artists, you have knitters, you have cross-stitchers. One of my best friends is a cross-stitch streamer where all she does is, is stream her, her cross-stitching. Mm-hmm. And it's a live, interactive way to talk with people. So imagine mm-hmm. the, the YouTube's got the YouTube Live now where you can actually mm-hmm. watch you know, people live as they're doing the YouTube, but you can also interact with them. So you can actually type into the, the stream, and I see it, and then I can answer your questions and actually have this live interaction. And there's all sorts of other fun things. Like, I'm known as the giveaway queen because I love giving things <laughs> away, including my patterns. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, it, this, I've, I've watched a few of them since, and, and I'm just fascinated by sort of it, – it feels very much to me because I'm not – into video games, but it's more video game like than if you're watching YouTube or Facebook Live, uh, yeah. because there's lots and lots of little pop-up windows and little things keep like your patterns are like rotate through and mm-hmm. there's just all, wh- what? How do you run all that? You have like about 18 cameras in your room. It's like crazy. I do. In fact, um, every time I'm at market, I've now this is the second time at market where I'm actually going to be presenting a pan, a, um, a schoolhouse on Twitch and how it works specifically. So I actually run two computers at the same time. They're both gaming computers. They're both really powerful, nice computers. And I have six cameras that feed into it. And depending upon what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, I have different scenes then I can switch between so you can see exactly what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, and one of the cameras is always on my dogs. <laughs> right. <laughs> I saw that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I loved, I loved that they could get the close-ups and you could see sort of the wide and you're sort of moving all around. And you're actually, on every show, do you make something or sometimes you just sit and chat with people? It's most of the time I am making something. So I, I try to ma- at least make something or teach something every single stream. The only exceptions are if I'm at a convention. Um, so next, so this upcoming weekend, I'll be at TwitchCon in San Jose. I'll be streaming from my booth. And I always want something interactive. So when I'm at a convention, we actually play what's called convention bingo where you try to find things or do things uh-huh. and have interactions with the convention, and then you can win prizes. Mm-hmm. And then the following stream after a convention, I always do a huge giveaway stream, depending upon how many bingos people got or, or things like that. 
So that's the only time where I'm not actually making something. Mm, Every other stream, though, I always make something, whether it is a simple dice bag or a headband or something, or if it's just working on a larger quilt. So so this is part of your actual business is the stream, um, the channel, but also for you to be there making functioning items that you'll be selling at a show or uh, maybe testing a pattern. It is. So for the for the past couple of streams, including tonight, I don't know if I'll finish it tonight. I may have to finish it tomorrow night. Um, I've been making a, uh, a quilt for a commission for Dr. Mario. So it is, um, it's a it's a fantastic quilt. I've been, this is one that I've been dreaming of making for years. And mm-hmm. someone finally walked up to me at a convention and said, hey, can you make this quilt for me? And I, I almost died. I was like, yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> so it's, yeah. so it, it's, a step-by-step, and this is something where I had part of the quilt custom printed, and mm-hmm. another part I had to figure out all the math. And whenever I figure out things on the go, I always do it on the stream because mm-hmm. I want to show how my creative process works because mm-hmm. it could inspire others. Mm-hmm. I also show that, hey, look, I make mistakes. Look at this huge mistake, and I, right. I sewed a square upside down yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it can be fixed. And that's, that's Yes, actually- Exactly. That's part of being a maker. You don't do everything perfect 100% of the time. Exactly. I don't care how long you've been sewing or quilting or whatever. Everybody makes mistakes, and everybody can learn something. Mm -hmm. Now, can they get to the – I know they can, but where on your website do they link over to your channel? It is right at the very top. So on the very front page, at the very top, you'll see the word Twitch. You just click on that, and that takes you right over to my page. And then in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little heart. Um, if you click on that heart, that's a follow button. That is, um, that is how you'll know if I'm live. You can actually, whenever you go into Twitch, you can look on the left-hand side, and you can see all of your favorite streamers that are live. And, of course, Twitch is like television in that each channel is different. Each channel has its own flavor. Each channel is you. So don't assume that you're going to love everything on the channel. It's, right, it's, right. it's very, very different. So you have some that are HBO and they may have language. You have mm-hmm. some that are PBS. So I run a very, very PG family friendly stream because I want to encourage everyone, no matter what their age, um, what they do, that they can sew in quilts. Tony, this has been fabulous. Just fabulous. Thank you. This has been fun. Yeah, I have I've just loved hearing everything about this. You can visit Tony at quilt like quilt o n i dot com. Yeah, quilttony.com. <laughs> and then definitely go and check out her Twitch channel. It is so much fun. And heck, you may win something, right, Tony? Yeah, exactly. I tell people I do a minimum of two to three giveaways every single stream. And not only do I give away my patterns, but I give away stickers. And then I have reward systems where people can actually earn free quilts. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. Hi, 
I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcase. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I am Pat Sloan. I have been a huge fan of Teddy Pruitt's work. She is a masterful quilter. Her quilts are unique and personal, and they tell a story. Teddy has done so many things within the industry that I am so excited that we're going to dive deep for the rest of the show to talk about it. So, Teddy, thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I'm excited. I've looked forward to this. I know. We've been talking for a while. It's been really, really awesome. So, you know, what I want to know, Teddy, is a little bit about your backstory. You know, how did you discover quilts? Were they in your family? I had a grandmother in Virginia that quilted, but I was never near her. So I guess it's somewhere way, way back in my DNA. But I just, in the early 70s, I just learned to quilt by looking at a magazine and, of course, did it all wrong, but, but I quilted, so <laughs> that's how I got started in probably 1973 or 74. Well, that was that was pretty early when there was, like, just it was before the bicentennial, which is when things really picked up again. Oh, it was. There were no stores. There were no, no place to go to learn anything, but I had been sewing since I was a kid, so uh, I, knew, I knew my way around a sewing machine and sort of knew how to cut fabric. But, uh, yeah, I just took off, just took off. Love the feel of, of fabric in my hand. I know. I, I tell people that I quilt so that I can have fabric. That's, that's why I quilt. Uh, what, what type of quilts were you making when you first started? Were they traditional? Because you don't really make traditional quilts so much now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a real good reason for that. <laughs> I started out, like most people, in the 80s. By the time the 80s rolled around and the quilt shops opened, and they had these wonderful templates and rotary cutters and patterns and classes, and, oh, I jumped right into all of it. Oh, I was going to do everything. And I'm telling you, my workmanship was the pit, and I would like everybody else would cut out a triangle. And I'd cut out a triangle, and it would look at me, and it would just say, like, I'm melting, I'm melting. And it would morph into this horrible shape that geometry doesn't even have a name for it. So I quit working for a while. 
And uh, one day I thought, you know, you little sucker, I'm not going to let you be the boss of me. (laughs) 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 And I just grab stuff and I sew it. And um, if it'll go into the sewing machine, I sew it. Yeah, and, and perfection is not a thing. You know, uh, I worry about world peace. I don't worry about perfect points. <laughs> so well, it's, it's kind of crazy. Your, they, your quilts have such um, exuberance to them. You know, they're just crazy fun for me. I look at them and, like, I could look at them for days, I think, and not find all the little things that you've incorporated into your pieces. <gasps> oh, I'm so glad you saw that. Yeah, they are. They're full of details and, and yeah. secrets. They all, all of them even have a little secret stuck in them here and there and yonder. <laughs> and uh, when people, like, see them on the Internet, they just see this sort of a big smudgy picture because you almost have to get up close and personal to them and, and dissect them to find all the little the little secrets and the little details and all the little pieces yeah. of the story that are in the in the overall thing. So, so thank you, thank you. I'm glad that you saw that. You know, you you um told me that you and you you say this on your your website and and everything is that you feel that you're you know you are a writer. That's part of what you are and a storyteller. How did you get into sort of the business side of the quilting from just making it for making quilts for your you know for yourself? Um. The business side, um, maybe that would be giving lectures. Um, right. Well, you know, years you started ago. out as yeah, like as an appraiser. You know, how did all this happen that you ended up making it your business? Oh, it was just an absolute fluke, just something insane. My husband's reading this magazine and he says, "Oh, they have a quilt show in Kentucky," and I'm thinking, "What a quilt? Yeah, like I'm going to a quilt show in Kentucky." He's lost his mind. <laughs> so he's reading again, and he says. Oh, they have these appraisers. You could do that. And I thought, yes, I could go to the moon. I think I'll apply to be an astronaut. <laughs> I mean, that literally is my thoughts at the time. And uh, I've just retired from 25 years as a certified appraiser. So I guess he wasn't as crazy as I thought he was. And That's... it just, uh, I went to Paducah to the AQS show and, and took some classes and realized that I think some people just have an aptitude for it and a real sense of what the appraisals are and the clients and the work and the quilts and the history and how you weave that all together. And I was just so lucky. I was just so lucky that that, that really, really fit for me. And mm-hmm. since I didn't have a career as a grown-up woman, that was it. It was just it was just custom-made for me. I loved absolutely every minute, every mile, every lecture, every appraisal, every client. It was wonderful. 20 years is a lot of, I bet you saw a lot of quilts. Did you document that for your own self in any way? Well, I did actually, and I have done literally thousands and thousands Mm. of appraisals. Uh, As an AQS appraiser, we have to recertify every three years, and Mm. part of the recertification process is sending in a list of how many appraisals we've done, what were insurance, what were donations, you know, just little specifics like that. Mm -hmm. And because of the recertification process, I was able to say, well, I did 400 this year or 300 this year or 500 this year. And when you look across 25 years, then you look and you think, oh, my God, that was thousands, literally thousands of appraisals. Sort of mind-boggling when you look at it in retrospect. Right. I mean, it's like just 
just thinking of of seeing that many you you develop like certain like a sixth sense and things i suppose you know, you just sort of know things immediately with seeing that many oh you do you do and what's so wonderful about this end of it and i think that appraisers have so much to offer the history world that people don't appreciate about the field people who learn in the academic sphere learn from textbooks and they tend to all learn from the same textbooks and the same information but those of us who are in the field and see each individual quilt that's never been published before we talk to the quilt the quilt owners and we are seeing pieces of cultural history material history and family stories that have never been documented and after you've done a few thousand of those you've got a real backlog of information and uh, now that I'm retired I keep I tell people I wish I had a little one of those little thumb drive thingies that I Mm -hmm. could like stick in the corner of my head and download (laughs) all that information and give it to a new appraiser (laughs) because it's not in books it's not in books it's just you literally learned it on your feet yeah we ha- we yeah. have uh, just a couple minutes before we're going to take a break. Is there like one quilt, Teddy, that sort of sticks out to you for some reason that you looked at over all those years? Yeah, the stories. The stories, the people's stories get to me. I had a an elderly gentleman that brought me a quilt one day, just carried it so tenderly and lovingly, and his mother had made it. It was around 1900 to 1910, and it was a wool crazy quilt. And it had little folk art images on it that were just adorable, birds, a bird nest, um, little a heart, little folky things. Mm-hmm. And I was going over it and writing my documentation while he was talking to people, bystanders. And I asked him, I said, sir, was there anyone in your family in the Navy? And he said, well, no. Why? So I showed him the background, and I said, I believe the background of this quilt is like Navy uniforms. Here's a, a oh. buttonhole that's been closed together and, and a pocket that's been removed. And he grabbed his heart, put both hands on his heart, and he says, Oh, my goodness. My father was a merchant seaman on the Great Lakes. And he says, I believe wow. that was his uniforms. Wow. And he was just, his, his, his heart, he, he, he cried. Aww. So, you know, when you're part of that's... information and sharing like that that changes people's lives, it's, you remember it. We're going to take a break, Teddy. We'll be right back. We know our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I am talking to Teddy Pruitt, who is a quilt maker and a storyteller. Teddy, I want to talk the rest of the show about your personal quilts and what you're doing now. I mean, you've been can you can you just describe just describe to me what type of quilts you make because they're very very personal and unique. Well, when I had a solo exhibit at the Rocky Mountain Quilt Museum, they titled them Secondhand Stories, and they let me keep the name, which was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the fabrics I use are recycled. I shop in thrift shops, and um, I collect fabric with text or pictures or objects. Or And when I get an idea in my head, like when I wanted to make a quilt about housework or pawn shops or um, gospel music, the joy of gospel music in church. I just go to my stash and I start pulling out junk and pinning it up, and eventually the story starts telling itself. It's just like writing my story, but I write it with fabric. And then sometimes, this is really an awful thing to tell people, but sometimes (laughs) I think, well, maybe these people aren't smart enough to get this. I'm going to write it out for them. So there's a lot of words in my quilts. There's text all over them. Yeah, I just I talk a lot and I write a lot. I just can't shut up. <laughs> so when you write on your quilts, are you um, embroidering? Are you doing applique letters? How are you putting your words on? Anyway, I have stamped them with paint, and I've done hand embroidery. I've done machine embroidery. I've appliqued big, big, huge letters that you could read from the far end of a football stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and I've hidden things in quilting so tiny that you can't find it unless you know it's there. Yeah, just whatever whatever tickles me at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, when you say you use, um, you don't really use new fabric. You use thrifted fabric and you know old fabrics. You use clothing. Is that the type of thing? Anything, yes, ma'am. Oh. Clothing, aprons, <laughs> curtains. Um, oh gosh. If it's made out of fabric, I'll use it. And I tell people I use my sewing machine like a tractor. If something, will, <laughs> if you can stick the things together and slam them underneath that sewing machine, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Yeah, I use them hard. So how do you store this stuff that you have? Since, you know, they're not like like a pant leg or a piece of curved curtain panel. You know, how do you, how do you store it? <laughs> That's a good question. The first thing I do is run it through a couple of washes because it's mm-hmm. all secondhand. I don't know where it's been. It might have right. cooties in it, so I always wash yeah. them a, a couple of times. And then I I flatten them out. I make flat goods out of it. If it's a large piece, I fold it into a bookcase. And if it's too small to fold, I put it in what I call the, my little giblets. And I put it in a big bin full of giblets, and then I just dig through it like a kid digging through candy, just throw stuff all over the place. It's a lot of fun. But I do have to do a lot of searching, and some of it's on bolt. Oh. There's way too much of it, I can tell you that. <laughs> do you have but the good do you have like a building for your studio, or did you are you working in your kitchen? I mean, I can't imagine you're working. In oh your no, kitchen. we had it was a it was a garage. So far, the last three houses we bought, we always changed the garage into a studio. Okay. We take the garage doors off and put in French doors and side lights, so I have a lot of natural light coming in. And then I make whatever studio I can uh, out of a garage. This one is two rooms of a garage and 
one room that's a really, really big laundry room. It's a, a big room, not like you would think a laundry room, and an old butler's quarters. So oh, I actually wow. have a lot of space down there. The ceiling is low, but there's a lot of space. Right. And I use every inch. <laughs> Who needs a ceiling, right? Who needs a ceiling? You just need space. Really? <laughs> yeah, as long as I can walk around and I've got lights, that's good enough for me. Yeah. So when you start a quilt, maybe just think of one in your head to, to like, as an example. Do you write up part of the story? Because you like to write, you like to tell a story. Do you write a little bit of story and then start playing on your design wall, putting things up? Or does the story come after you've got images starting to build? Oh, the fabric does it. The fabric does all the work, all the work. Um, sometimes I don't even know I'm going to make one. I'll be cleaning a stack of fabric or looking for something else. And, like, I'll find this whole big pile that'll say housework or this whole big pile that'll say, well, this looks like a church scene. And, gee, I think these Crown Royal bags, don't those look just like choir robes? <laughs> but the the fabric does all of it. And then I pin it all up and see which ones like to be together. And some of them say, oh, I like to be with this guy. And the other one says, oh, I don't want to play with these people. So I take him down. Mm-hmm. And it's, it really it's, it's insanity. It literally is insane to watch me work. And it's so much fun. I laugh out loud to myself, and then I feel real stupid. <laughs> so we probably don't want to record it. <laughs> no, we won't. We'll, we'll see. Maybe my, my previous guest does live um, videos while she's working. So, you know, maybe you want to try that sometime. You could do uh, tape yourself doing live. Oh, my gosh. I could probably be blackmailed by it. Oh, it would be too crazy. No, it would be so, too crazy. <laughs> so how do you sew all this together? Because if you're putting it, your work looks more collage-like, a lot of it uh, that I look at. Not everything, but a lot of it where there's sort of layers. Do you, How do you get that off the wall and sew it? Oh, girl, I am. A, it, it drives me crazy when people say I'm an art quilter because to me I'm a traditional quilter. Almost everything really is in a unit of a square or a rectangle or something that you can sew together. And I might make some really crazy thing to make that rectangle or that square Mm -hmm. to where it will eventually sew to another surface. Mm -hmm. But what I do, I have this very, very complicated theory that I work with, and it says, if something is too big, you whack it off. And if something is too little, you sew something on it till it fits. And that literally is the way I work. I just Mm -hmm. sew stuff together, and I whack things apart, and it's like, oh, well, that fits. I'll just keep it like that. And really, probably an NQA judge, if they looked at my work close, they would just, their their eyes would just bug out of their head. They would go nuts. But they're fun to look at, but they are not perfect workmanship. They are all over the map. I love them. I have always loved them. I've followed your work. I don't even know how I saw the first Teddy quilts, but uh, somewhere along the way, I found your quilts and I've, I've sort of, you know, followed followed you to see what you were doing. So now you're you're traveling and you're giving lectures about. Uh, what are your lectures about? Oh gosh, I retired three years ago, and I thought that it was time to stay home. And oh my gosh, I almost went crazy. I am so ready to be <laughs> on the road and on stage again. I love it. I love being with quilters. Um, I'm having to start all over again, just just from scratch. But the fun thing with doing so many years that I've done, everything is in my head. I don't have to research anything. I don't have to write anything. And when I decide on a subject like um, From Sublime to Ridiculous, 
it's a lecture where I just take a traditional quilt and then I show another one that's a little bit out of the box. And then the third one that might compare it with, it's like this person didn't even know there was a box and that person's <laughs> usually me. So, um, that, that's a fun lecture. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've just started a new class called 50 Shades of White where I work with nothing but old laces and embroideries and doilies and table runners and the kind of stuff that your grandmama had that you don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody has them that gives you a way to use them and get them out of the drawers and keep from throwing them to the, the thrift shop or whatever. But um, just That's just fun nice. things. Yeah, fun so things. when you when you go to um... – to do a talk, do you then do a class the next day? I mean, that's how what a lot of people have done. You know, you sort of do a lecture and then a class for everybody to come in. And yeah, I was like surprised by that. I was always so busy with appraising that I did a lot of lectures, but I didn't mm-hmm. do workshops because I was too busy with the appraisals. Mm-hmm. And so now that I'm trying to go back out in the world and see quilters again, they're wanting workshops to go with the lectures. So mm-hmm. I've had to get myself busy and. Uh, Matter of fact, what I've got to do in the next few weeks is really concentrate on workshop samples so I'll have the right things to take when I go. But, um, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. If I could so work every you... well, I don't want to work every day. <laughs> I'd like no. to work a lot. <laughs> yeah. So when you, when you set up a workshop, what you're, you know, what you're planning and thinking about, what would you like people to get out of it? I want them, I want to see the light bulbs going over their head. And one thing that's very important to me in my workshops is that people not spend money. Early on, I had workshop lists that I would go to a class and I would buy all this stuff on the list, and we never used it, ever. So I said, that's it. I'm never going to have a list where people have to spend a lot of money on my classes. And I pretty much held by that. And like the uh, the string quilt workshops, you don't have to spend any money for a string quilt. You've just got junk in the bin somewhere in your room and uh usually the doilies and the laces and the thrift shop things you know if you spend anything it's going to be a couple bucks so i try to keep it's very important to me to keep a workshop to where it's not going to cost a lot of money but i want people to see things in a new light now i've got one real traditional basket quilt thing that i'll teach just because it's the cutest little basket quilt ever but it's mm-hmm. kind of hard for me because it's just a pattern and everybody's will look pretty much the same. And that drives mm-hmm. me nuts. But that's what people want. <laughs> Great. So when when you're doing one of the classes that sort of is your your core, your your personal soul, like if you're doing string quilting, you know, what if you have somebody who's much more structured, how do you sort of talk them off the cliff to get them to loosen up a little bit? Well, I don't know. That all remains to be seen. Oh. <laughs> I've just, just just started getting back out on the road with these things. Yeah. But just encouragement. Just encouragement. And to let people know that, you know, the rules are there to be broken and that you can do something different and something that's just yours and your idea and your vision, and it's going to be okay. But it's, it, there's room for all of us, no matter what your vision is, if it's like, completely wacko like mine or very, very traditional, but there's room for all of us. And we can all take a class and and take our view of that class and make something that's right for us. Just encouragement. People to know need to know that this is fun. 
That's that's it. Your quilts are fun, and working like that is very fun. If people haven't tried it, being very unstructured, um, you know, you still have to have things eventually get flat, you know, so they sew together. Like you said, you build blocks eventually, but the yeah. process to get that block is, you know, is very fun. Do you do you have your quilts on exhibit anywhere right now? Do you know they have just come back home from exhibit? And I have been so amazed that that people keep asking to see them, and I'm so blessed and so honored. And every now and then somebody will say, can we, you know, have an exhibit of your quilts here or there? And I say, sure. And I feel 10 feet tall and pack them up and send them off. And <laughs> and it's amazing how much fun people have looking at them. They really seem to enjoy them. And, that's, uh, and you know, when you're making them, you never think about the future of them. You never think that somebody is mm-hmm. ever going to, want an exhibit of them, that comes in hindsight. So it's always uh, particularly gratifying and fun. And, yeah, they're they're home right now. Well, Teddy, this has been wonderful to have you on here and hear about your work. Thank you so much. It's been a delight, and I appreciate you finding me so, so very much. <laughs> Everybody can visit Teddy at her website. It's T-E-D-D-Y, Teddy, P-R-U-E-T-T dot com. And I guarantee you, if you have her come visit, you will love it. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. This, bye-bye. This is American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. You can visit me online at Quilt Along with Pat Sloan. Hi all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.